Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Jennifer. We're two women who met through our love of writing and our shared experiences with grief. What began as a commonality with loss evolved into a beautiful friendship that has taken our grief and shown us how God's glory can come from it. Through our many conversations, we've learned that there's so much more to the grieving process than meets the eye. And we want to explore that with you and share not just our experiences, but the experiences of others from a faith perspective. We hope you will join us on this journey to morning glory. Welcome, friends, to the Morning Glory podcast, where we share our journeys of loss, faith, and hope. I'm Andrea Barrett, and with me today is Jennifer Thomas. Hi, Jen. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing? So on our last episode, we shared a little bit about our experiences with loss. And so we thought for the second episode, we really should just dive right into the topic of grief and look at what is grief. Uh, I know for me, and I know what you shared last week, Jennifer, we had some similarities, but our experiences were slightly different depending on our season of grief, the experiences that we endured in our loss. And so how does that look for other people? What does grief look like and why are there so many different types of grief? And so that's really what we want to explore today. Yeah. And I think that one of the most important things is that as friends, family members, how can we support those who are going through grief and how can we maybe recognize some of the symptoms that they're feeling as they're going through this grief process? Because it will look different for everyone as they're going through it. So some people might be well-versed in how they're feeling. They might be able to verbalize it, but others might push away, they might withdraw, and they might completely shut down when they've lost a loved one. Yeah, I know for for my own experience, I saw, you know, family members, loved ones that they definitely addressed loss differently when my mom died. So we had very different ways in which we coped with that. So today I want to start with a Bible scripture from Matthew 5. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is a very well-known scripture verse, and it really talks about the role of that part of our journey on this earth is to endure sometimes the loss, but in those moments, we are comforted, we are supported. And so as we go through this, we also felt that as we start to look at topics of grief, there may be people who are enduring very difficult moments. There might be things that even both Jennifer and I may not be able to address. I know my first year of grief, I I went to seek the professional help just so that I could go through, I could navigate that process. And so we've decided that we're going to bring on a regular contributor. Our friend Rosalind Cruz Ryan is going to join us uh, periodically. Now, to give you a little background of who Roz is, first, I've known her for many years, but she has a lot of experience in this field. She's a licensed marriage family therapist with over 19 years of experience. She's treated children, adolescents, adults, families, and groups in all areas pertaining to mental health. Recently closing her private practice of 17 years as a Catholic Christian marriage family therapist, She now works for St. Michael's Catholic Church in Stockton, California, as the Director of Adult Faith Formation, 
which began as a volunteer position over 10 years ago. She now continues her clinical work with referred clients and has begun a faith-based group for grief support in her parish. She continues to work through issues of trauma, mood disorders, personality disorders, and other areas which can result in grief and loss. Roz is also the mother of seven adult children and a grandmother of four grandsons, and her husband Kevin and her live in Stockton. Let's welcome our guest, Rosalind Cruz Ryan. Welcome, Roz. Well, thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. We are so glad to have you on board. And knowing that you have gone through this, you've you've treated patients, you've treated people that have had to endure this, we're grateful for your expertise. So we thought maybe would be a really good way to start is tell us a little bit about yourself. I've told some of the you know, your experience, but maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got into this uh, field, and even some of the personal sites so we can kind of connect with you. Well, I was born in Aganya, Guam, so, and I'm an Air Force brat, so grew up in the military, moved around a lot, and father finally settled in and retired out of Travis Air Force Base, so went to college in the Bay Area of California and met my husband there. And I really didn't come to what I do now until I was well into adulthood. I decided to be a marriage family therapist uh, after giving birth to my first child, went for a master's degree. And then every time I took classes, I got pregnant. So we had to make a decision (laughs) part of the way down there. I was halfway through my master's degree. And we decided since my husband was in residency, to be an OBGYN, we decided one of us had to be the breadwinner and one of us had to stay at home with the kids. And so that kind of sculpted out our roles as parents. And I gave up my idea for a while. And then 20 years later, came back and got my degree and uh, my master's degree, did my internship and accumulated my hours and threw myself into private practice. And here I am. Wonderful. Now, you lead a, a, a group currently at your parish that deals with, with grief and loss. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do with, your, with this group and what you do with your private patients? Absolutely. I'd love to. So this group actually began probably the, the seedling started about probably three to four years ago. And I noticed that there were quite a few widows in our parish. We, we, we live out in the country and um, I'm beginning to believe that a lot of the agricultural pesticides and everything might, might contribute to some of this. But anyway, we, have a, we had a significant amount of people that were, whose, whose husbands had died. So I began to approach our, our parish priest about having a grief support group. And, you know, God love our priest. He's very good about waiting on God's timing. So fast forward to about a year and a half ago, and one other woman who saw the need approached me, which then we both approached Father, and were given the signal to, you know, work on it, kind of. And then finally, there was another woman by the name of Diane Crumpecker, and she would have no problem with me saying her name, but she recently lost her husband after a long illness, and her need became very prominent. And she approached me and said, you know what, 
we really need something here. And so the three of us went back to father and then father said, okay, do what you got to do. And these two women have been incredibly significant in the role of promoting this. We took a year, we took probably a good year to form this group, form the the programming. I, I don't like the word program, but how we would help the group members process their feelings about grief. Really quick, I wanted to just kind of address the fact that you have done this not on your own. And that's really one of our themes that Jennifer and I have addressed is that when you're going through this process, that it can feel very lonely, it can feel very isolating. And here you had a group of women that were very eager to be on board to help you as as well as share some of their own experiences. Why do you feel that having a group of women is important to, or a group of anyone is important to include? Well, one of the things that I've seen come through this group is that no matter what stage of grief you are at, and there are stages, you know, we're not created as God's creatures. We're not created to be alone in any of these processes. We, we have each other, you know, um, that's one of the things that in John, I believe it's one John. And he says that, that he repeats that God will never abandon us. He will never leave us. And so we're supposed to always be in communion with him. But I think we tend to forget that when we are in moments of crisis and sometimes then God can use others to help us, to pull us out. Kind of like I'm thinking of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the scripture where the four friends bring their good friend that's sick and they lower him down through the roof, you know, and he probably Uh didn't want to be lowered through the roof, but his friends were adamant that he needed help and they were going to take him to the source. And so I think this is what this is about. Ultimately, uh, at least the way we formed this group, because it's very scripturally based as well. Beautiful. And do you think, Roz, that, you know, in this group that you formed, were you in a particular stage of grief whenever you felt compelled to start this group or, did you feel like maybe it was something that just needed to happen and the people who were meant to be part of it, you were just meeting them where they were at the time? Yes, to all of it. I think that I, I struggle with the, the idea of grief because I, I don't feel grief in the sense of like, I feel bad that they're, not with me but the other part of that is having faith is really important because i i can see that having faith especially in the group context as well having faith is an incredible coping mechanism i didn't realize until i mean i thought i was just part of the vehicle you know just part of putting implementing this this group but what i have come to realize is I believe that the Lord was preparing me through this group to cope more effectively with the loss, the, the, the passage of, uh, into eternal life with my mom, which I was totally taken by surprise with. So, so both. Yes. So yes to all those questions, Jennifer. (laughs) And just to give some context, 
Roz has experienced loss in her own family, losing her father at an earlier age, as well as her brother, and then this past year, losing her mother. And I have to say, Roz, I am in complete awe in the way in which you handle grief, because I know for myself, I was a hot mess. But I really do believe that your experience in loss is really a testament to your faith. But it's also a testament that everyone deals with this differently depending on where they are in their journey in life. And so even if a person doesn't handle it maybe in the same manner, that doesn't necessarily negate or make it less or better. And so that's really what we want to talk about today is the different types of loss. Mm -hmm. So Roz, are there, I know that um, some of our listeners might be familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. So Mm -hmm. would you like to touch on that? I've also heard that they have since, um, that psychologists have since come up with the idea that it's really not the stages that just Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came up with, but there are additional ones as well. Would you like to touch on that and what those stages are, at least through Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? And what are some ways that people can look out for some of these symptoms of friends and family when they're in these stages? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kubler-Ross was the forerunner on this one with her work. And she came up with the stages of denial, anger. It's DABDA. I I learned it as the acronym DABDA. So it's denial, it's anger, it's bargaining, it's depression, and then acceptance. When we were forming this group, you know, we wanted to be clinically true and we wanted to be spiritually Spirit, we wanted to come from a spiritual aspect. And so I also noted uh, in my research that there's a social worker by the name of Ignacio Pacheco who came up with the seven stages of grief, which he considers shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, reflection, loneliness as one stage, going to the upward turn, reconstruction and working through, and then acceptance and hope. So we kind of manipulated, I hate that word, but we tweaked would be a better word. We tweaked the Ross's and Pacheco's work. And then what we did was we mirrored the seven gifts of the spirit. And that's, that's our format. That's where we come through. So for example, anger and resentment, we would, we would mirror with wonder and awe, fear of God. Okay. We do depression and loneliness, and then we would mirror that with counsel and good judgment. Upward turn was the the gift of knowledge. So, you know, I personally, with the therapy hat off, I would say that the spiritual gifts obviously came before the stages of loss, but we found that it's it's very helpful and it seems to add an element of fluidity. Uh, and fluidity, I don't know if that is the right word, but it's not so rigid, like these are the steps. And if I don't go through these steps and stages, then somehow I am going to be, you know, in the wrong direction. I want to jump in really quick, Roz, and just address that, because I love how 
you talk about the different stages, you use the tools of, of clinical therapists that have had experience on this. You know, I was very well versed in this. When my mom died, I looked at all these stages. I kind of absorbed this. But I love how you also incorporate the faith component. And it's so oftentimes we don't incorporate that. We mm-hmm. look at our own sorrow. We look at our own suffering, which is very valid. And that's, you know, that's why we're here because of those struggles, but also looking at how our faith can help us grow through this. What I want to ask you though, is for those who are not familiar, maybe with some of these stages, do these have an order? Are there stages that people can go through at different points or for different periods, Uh, especially someone who maybe is still new in their grief and they're trying to navigate their feelings and what they're going through? Can you speak on that? Sure. I think that our experience and my own personal experience in working with clients who are suffering through grief and loss is one, especially there, this is not linear. Okay. You don't go through anger and resentment or shock and denial. Then you go into anger and then you go into bargaining and it's not linear. You can be in, in denial and go to acceptance. And then you find yourself bargaining and then you find yourself angry and then you find yourself back at denial. It's, it's not linear. It, it, it goes in all different directions because grief is personal. It's personal to the situation. It's personal to the person. It's personal to the relationship. You know, a child who has lost their puppy could experience all of these in different ways and the the person who's lost their daughter will have a, a a different might have different not only not only placements of these kinds of feelings but intensities right and so that's part of i think you know one of the reasons i just wanted to also address Annie what Andrew what you had said about how we've incorporated the spiritual aspect in fact Cleo Carrillo who is one of our other co-directors needed this group because when she was going through hospice for her husband's death, hospice said she could join and do everything, but they could not pray. And she was really affected by that because she said, but that's where I, that's where I get my strength. And so this group was really uh, very, very important to her because of that. So, and our, we've held on to about 20 people now. And in fact, they're going to meet again informally tomorrow because they they really love the support they get. I think what you said about the fact that grief is not linear, there's a psychologist, Susan David, and she is well known for her work about emotional agility. And one of her things that she's talked about at length is that grief is not linear, that it's not a set path that any of us have to follow. And the fact that you have set up this group at your parish where, you know, people are meeting each other where they are. So it doesn't matter what stage of the path that they're in, you all are able to meet them and you have made that a priority. And if they're still there after a certain time frame, that's okay, because there's not a time frame to it either. It's it's so relative to the person. And I think that's very profound. 
Well, thank you. We we find that it's working for us. Um, one of the ladies, she came in because she thought she was mourning over her daughter who she had just lost. And she found out in the process that she was actually mourning the death of her mother, which had occurred several years ago. I think that's very, so accurate. I've, I've talked to people who they have this, this sense that what they're really going through is one thing. And when you get to the core, it really comes down to other factors, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes it's not even the loss of the person. It brings up other issues that maybe now that that person is gone, they've never addressed them because of their presence. And so now that their absence is there, those feelings, those emotions, those relationships with other people start to surface. They start to come up. And so I think that's so incredibly important. I want to jump back really quick to what you said about the woman in your group, how she didn't have she had gone to like a hospice support group and they wouldn't let her talk about faith. I had joined one as well. And I found that to be true. While I did find that there were some very valuable tools, I did mm -hmm. feel that was yes. such a missing component. And we have to look, in my opinion, I'm not an expert, but I truly believe we have to look at not just the clinical and the, you know, the mental health aspect, which is incredibly important. That that is definitely a piece, but it's also modeled or, you know, side by side with the spiritual component. If we don't do that, then we're really missing out on the fullness of trying to heal. And, and if we're only doing it from the cl clinical end, then we're not open to the fullness of our healing as we go through this process. Yeah, I, ab I absolutely agree. I think that in my experience um, and what had what has made me market myself previously as a Catholic therapist is I really believe we are more spirit than we are anything else. And the people that I treat, I found that they were missing a lot of what they needed in their own spiritual lives. And not that I centered on everything being about faith, but if you, you can't treat a whole human being and ignore that one factor. Yeah, absolutely. I trying to remember which scripture it is. In fact, I think it's Romans eight, but I could be wrong. So we'll have to look at that. Okay. I found it. I pulled it up really quick. For those who live according to the flesh are concerned with the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, the concern of the flesh is death, but the concern of the spirit is life and peace. Mm-hmm. That right there just speaks to the fact that that we are really, while we are living in this earth, we are consumed by the flesh, but we are a soul. We are full of the spirit. And that's the journey. That's the journey to get home, to be fully in communion with the spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to jump back to talking about some of these stages of grief, because while we're we're starting to understand it, you know, somebody who's going through grief, you can, you can give them all the academia, but that still doesn't take away the experience. It doesn't take away that trying to cope with some of these stages. What is the most common stage that you find most people encounter with grief or, or one that is the most common? Probably depression and 
anger. Um, I probably experienced that because anger is a pretty big emotion. And when you're in a in an area where you feel out of control, anger can feel even can make you feel more out of control. And the thing is depression, when somebody feels hopeless or doesn't know what to do to get themselves out of that depression, that can be a real touchy area. You know, that's where I that's where sometimes the clinical aspect of, okay, maybe you need to be on some temporary medication. You need to be in therapy for a few, maybe a couple of months or you need a group, that's where that comes in. Most people in the secular world, without faith, I could tell you that they probably do a lot of suppressing, okay, wow. which, which probably contributes to more anger and depression. <laughs> so, um, or they find unhealthy coping mechanisms to do. Absolutely. With absolutely. That's when you see the onslaught of, you know, prescription meds, they can't sleep or they're drinking or they're turning to things that aren't healthy options. Yeah. What do you think about, and this could go for any, even people in the secular world or in the spiritual world, when should a person seek professional help? What are the what are the clear signs when somebody is struggling through their loss and, and depression that they should really reach out and get support? So, you know, the worst time that I've experienced or that I've seen people experience and have had people report experiencing is typically the time just after everybody has gone home because the funeral is finished, all of the you know, that immediate stress of having to make arrangements, having to do all those things that that tends to have people come in and help you. Right. And most people respond immediately. Oftentimes it's that that time when you're alone and you have time to think. And I liken it sometimes to PTSD, you know, depending upon the way somebody dies or even if they know it can be a sense of tremendous loss to the point of helplessness and hopelessness for the person who's left behind. And so when they start withdrawing or they start acting out, you know, uh, acting out, I'm addressing more towards adolescents and children, you know, in behaviors that they're not tip that they wouldn't typically be, you know, engage in or they're, they're, like I said, withdrawing, they don't want to do anything. They don't want to go anywhere. So I know that for myself, after, after losing my mom, and then I was right in the midst of, I'd lost my mom, but I was also pregnant with my first child, then ended up learning my dad was sick. But I know that for me, part of that withdrawal was, you know, after the funeral, after everything was all said and done. And it seemed like, okay, you've gotten over the hard part now and you should just be able to bounce back and magically be back to your old self, except you're without this person or after my dad passing without these two people who were so influential in my life and such big parts of my life. So I found it easier to withdraw in those moments because it was after the quote unquote crisis was over. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was easier for me to not deal with it, to not think about it because all of the, you know, those need to be taken care of things had been taken care of. How about you, Andrea? 
it's funny because I find that, you know, when I, when I first lost my mom, I was trying to find something. I was trying to find a distraction and yet my grief wouldn't allow me to, it was, it was so center in my face. And so I tried to keep with like busyness and with trying to find tasks, but then it would come at me. So um, talking about this idea of shock, that was a really significant stage, but it it doesn't happen like, okay, I'm in this stage of shock. It really happened more of like, this is finite. This is real. She's not coming back. How is this going to change everything? And that happened more more than once, and it was just that realization, and that's where that just the sadness kind of came over me, and and so I can probably say a little bit of the the stages were kind of mirrored; they they happened at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, and it's funny as I I absorbed as much literature as I could because I was like, okay, I'm going to grieve. I'm going to cry and then I am going to get this out of my system and I'm going to go back to my life and everything will be fine. And it did not work that way. That's what I found was so like what you talked about earlier, Roz, about how they are not, they're not chronological. They're not linear. They, they go back and forth. You can jump Mm -hmm. from one stage and then come back to it. And even when you jump back to that stage, it will look slightly different than where you were before. Going through those stages, however, did help me feel like I was not so unnormal. And and so just being aware of that, I will say that being aware of what I was going through, even though I didn't fully understand it, just knowing that this is part of the process, that did help me at least feel like, okay, this unnormalness is normal. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes sense or not. Now, Roz, I know your experience with loss is, is probably different, but have you experienced any of these stages yourself? I probably experienced the majority of these stages with my brother and my father because I was much younger. Um, and my brother, specifically, my, my, both of them were very immediate. There was no preparation. And the age of my brother, because he passed when he was 30 from a, a massive heart attack, that was really shocking. My mother's death recently, you know, there's a lot of God's grace that I see in that. Just the ability for her to be able to come live with me for a while. I'm having that kind of time. The death itself, I look back, it was a shock. It's been, um, yesterday was three months her um, burial. So it's still very fresh for you. Yeah. And two things happened to me yesterday. One was, I remember saying to my mom, when I saw her struggling, I went up to her head and, and I whispered in her ear and I said, you know, mom, I love you. You've been a great mom. I'm sorry if I wasn't a good enough daughter. I apologize for what I've done, but I got this. I'm good. We're good. It's going to be okay. You can go. It's okay. If dad and Robert calling you, then go home, be with them. Because my mom was a widow for 30 years, 33 years. And it was that feeling of, boy, it's really me now. Like I'm it. I'm really it. That was really poignant for me yesterday. And then earlier in the day, 
I was driving down eight mile road and I don't know this, I can't describe the sensation, but do you ever have that feeling when you, I was having a moment with God where I was like, why did you create me? Like, what is this about? <laughs> and I think it's very much related to the loss because it's, it's very centered on the fact that now I'm really in many ways in my, in terms of my family, I'm alone. You know, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't feel, I'm not like. No, I, uh, I think what you you're saying, Roz is very valid, you know, for our listeners, uh, all three of us have now experienced a loss of a parent. And so in mm -hmm. that, there is that feeling of almost like being an orphan, even though you are mm -hmm. an adult carrying a job, it changes the dynamic of the roles in your loss because you see that you can't go to that person anymore. They're not accessible in the physical sense. Mm -hmm. You know, Jennifer and I've talked about this, that they are still accessible to us in, in the spiritual sense, but not necessarily in the physical sense. And so you do feel like an orphan. You do feel like, you know, why, what is this all about? What are you trying to teach me, God, through mm -hmm. all of this? You know, I would imagine, because again, I can't speak on the topic of, of, uh, of a spouse or a, a, a relative, but I would imagine that that loss is still similar because there's that void and the dynamic of their accessibility. It's not there being available. That, that can be very difficult and that can be really hard to go through. I have another scripture I want to share with you. It's from Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart my portion forever. Mm -hmm. That speaks to me so much because I think when we go through grief, our loved ones are not in pain. They're not suffering. They're not even sad. And yet at the same time, they are going through this. They're seeing us in our grief because we are still in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we have to make sure that this, this going through this grief really is both, you know, clinical, but also spiritual, because if we don't look at the spiritual side, then we forget that, that God recognizes our flesh. He recognizes that we don't know everything. And so we have to lean on him so that we can get through these times. And it's that unknowing, that uncertainty that is where we can lean on God because he is all knowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I will say that, you know, sometimes going through what we've been through, it strengthens us in ways that we could not have even begun to imagine. But God knew that the loss that we would endure would not just strengthen us, but it was meant to strengthen others. So in a way, mm -hmm. it, it's like a way to pay it forward, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, for me losing my parents in the short time frame that I did. And now I can look back and I can see all of these ways where God, his hand was in it, guiding me through every step of the way that I couldn't see at the time. But now I see it in a way that is meant to help others because it's not just about me. It's, it's, it's about showing the glory that can come from our father. Mm-hmm. We've talked today about 
some of the different stages of grief. And, and in future shows, we'll probably address a couple of these one at a time. So we can kind of jump into them more. Today is really more of like an overview. But I think it's important that we look at that, that these are very common things. These are very normal experiences to go through, even when they don't feel normal because they are, if anything, they're new. I always, I'm a teacher and I always tell my students, it's not hard, it's new. And sometimes <laughs> that feels so hard because it's foreign and it's unknown. But just being aware of those, that can help pr provide a little bit of comfort. So Roz, I wanna kind of close today with asking, what's advice that you can share with our listeners as they go through these stages of grief? What, what advice can you leave with us today? So one of the things that I heard both of you girl, both of you women, I'm like, I'm so old that I want to say you're <laughs> girls. Um, okay. One of the girls. things, okay. One of well, the things. Hold on really quick, Roz. I have to interrupt you really fast because you made a little slip earlier. You called me Annie. And for our listeners, that's my nickname. And so Roz knows me on a personal level. So you might hear that occasionally. And that's because she knew me as, as a young girl. So I just had to throw that in there at some point. So that's okay. Let's, I, let's answer I'm, the question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things that I heard both of you say was how your expectation of the timing of grief was that you were going to go through these stages and you were going to get through them in a certain amount of time. And one of the things I do say when I have clients that are grieving that do come in and want to believe that it's going to happen in three sessions and we're going to be done is I don't touch, I do not touch how it hits until two years. We just wow. talk about stages and stages ad infinitum for two years because it takes such a long time to assimilate. Now we have a very American society in which, you know, we're supposed to bounce back, get to it, get out, get at them, you know. No, this is a profound experience. However you experience it, it's profound. And you have to give the body and the spirit time and that's what, and it needs time. And it's not time to fit it in in between working out and working and taking care of the kids. No, it's time. So that's one thing. And the other thing is linear. It's not linear. It is according to your own person, your own experiences, your own life situation. So to be easy on oneself, to not rush oneself would be my advice. And I think that's beautiful advice, especially as we start this podcast and we start to navigate all of this. Take time for yourself. Don't rush through all of these things. We always close with a prayer for our lost loved ones. And so today we're going to offer up Roz's relatives. Roz, I'm going to ask you to share the names of your loved ones, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, my mom, Magdalena Cruz, who just passed away. My father, Edward S. Cruz, who passed away over 30 years ago. And my brother, Ruben Cruz, who passed away 30 years ago. Okay, let's go ahead and begin in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for coming together today to share in our loss, in our journeys, to help those that are listening to navigate their own stages of grief. We offer up prayers for the intentions of the souls of Magdalena, Edward, and Reuben Cruz. We ask eternal rest. May you grant unto them, O Lord, and let the perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in eternal glory. Amen. And for the amen. souls dearly departed, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on with us. Now, before well, we finally... You close. We have one more thing to ask you, Roz. Sure. And, um, the name of our, our podcast is Morning Glory, and there's a purpose for that. Okay. We want to ask you what your morning glory is. And that's really a sequence where if you've had any hard moments during this week or any time recently and how you've worked through those, um, if you could share that. And then Jennifer and I on occasion will share our morning glories too. Mm. So one of my glories, it's not necessarily associated with the grief and loss, but there's a lot of drama regarding an event that just occurred at our church. And one of the glories I have with that is that it's my normal nature to jump in and try to fix. And I, with my little shattered ego, stepped back prayed like the Dickens and just constantly kept saying, I cannot do this, Lord, you can. And lo and behold, the next day he did, he stepped in and he fixed. So that is my glory because God is so good. Amen. Amen. Any morning glories for you, Jennifer? Yeah. You know, I was, I was trying to debate whether or not to share about this, but a few nights ago, I actually had a visit from my mom. I truly feel like it was a visit from my mom. And it was in a way that I was not expecting her to visit me. It was in a dream. And it was literally looking eye to eye and her reassuring me that that was okay. And she was still with me. Oh, so wow. I'm, I am celebrating the fact that as much as I miss her, as long as I long for her, and now as we're coming up on 10 years, you know, praise be to God that our faith allows us the opportunities to see that our family and our friends are still out there for us in the form of saints. Amen. They are constantly interceding for us. Constantly. Yes. Love it. Well, my morning glory is a little different. And I think this does speak to my experience with just going through my life now without. I am a very much doer. That has been a topic that I will continue. You'll find, you'll come to find that happens all the time. I constantly go, go, go. But my morning glory is, is I have really tried to balance the role of being a mother a lot of my personal projects and my work. And so it's very honest and open with my husband this week about all of my projects that I'm doing and yet also recognizing that I need to make time for my family. And so that that is my morning glory, especially because I sometimes will focus on one and just I have this tunnel vision where I go, 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 and then I completely mute everything out. So I really tried to be more conscious this week about trying to balance that 
and and that does come from the last few years going through my loss and trying to navigate how to balance all of that so nice so well Roz, thank you so much for being on with us today uh we are looking forward to having you on again as we address more topics i want to thank our listeners for joining us today on the morning glory podcast we hope you'll find comfort and support in the shows that we bring you as we continue this journey on our own day where we one day will be reunited with god i'm andrea bear i'm jennifer thomas until we meet again thank you and god bless god bless thank you god bless thank you for listening to the morning glory podcast if you'd like to hear more episodes we're available on spotify you can also check out our facebook and instagram pages at morning glory podcast that's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-G-L-O-R-Y podcast, or send us an email at morningglorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. Until we meet again, God bless. <laughs>